please, and turn to the book of Matthew. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a warning today. If you feel like this message steps on your toes in any way, it's not my fault. I planned this series months ago. I started uh, teaching through the Sermon on the Mount a couple of months ago, and today was on the schedule a long time ago. I didn't know who would be here today. I was pretty certain my wife would be, so I planned this just for her. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know who would be here. So listen, the goal of preaching is twofold. This I learned this from an old-time preacher. Ready? It is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. I like that. Listen, if you're just going through life, today is a challenge from the Lord Jesus Christ, from his own words, that we need to be serious about spiritual things, not be casual. Be serious about it. Not just make sure we have a little bit of Jesus, but that Jesus has all of us and we're fully connected. So as we're looking, it's three essential pursuits for a thriving spiritual life. Three essential. What does essential mean? Yeah, very necessary. If the doctor says it's essential you have surgery, you don't say, oh, maybe, maybe we'll talk to uh, somebody else. You, you, you get it done. What's a pursuit? Something you go after. I mean, some of you have seen cops with their lights going in pursuit, right? Uh, that's, they're chasing something, someone. So if your pursuit is to have a thriving spiritual life, then Jesus said, the, you need to develop this into your spiritual life. And part of this, especially this first part, doesn't feel very American. But that's okay. It is very Christian. Father, as we look to your word today, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives. I, I thank you for the way you have challenged me through this study. And I pray that I would still be encouraged today as we Share your truth, your Holy Spirit speaks into my life, into our lives, Lord. May we collectively and individually choose to follow you with our whole heart. We thank you for the examples in Scripture of those that did and how their lives made a difference that's still making a difference today. And I pray that we would follow you with our whole heart. I also pray, Lord, that if there are those here today who have never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray they would do it. They would see their need of a Savior, that they would want their sins forgiven and believe and trust in you. So, Lord, we ask you to work in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean they have their reward? Yeah, if you're trying to get the attention of people, the Lord said, you got it, but you're not getting mine. You're not getting the attention of the Father in heaven. You're not getting the attention. There's no spiritual 
benefit. Verse 18 or 17. But when you, you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will, will reward you openly. All right, here's the first essential pursuit. It is sacrificing physical needs for greater spiritual needs. See, how many of you need food? We all do. Do we need as much as we take in? Most people don't. Uh, some people don't eat enough. But in America, our problem tends to be the other direction. But we all need food. The Lord isn't saying, you can ignore your physical needs. No. But he's saying, at least for a time, you have to set aside that physical need to really focus on the greater spiritual need. There are different reasons people fast. Some people fast before surgery, right? So depending on what's going on, the medical procedure, sometimes you have to go an entire day without eating. There are diet plans that build in a, a fasting day in the middle of it. It's not what the Lord's talking about. He's not talking about fasting for surgery or fasting for diet. He's talking about religiously, spiritually fasting. But even in religious faith, there are many faiths that encourage fasting, including Hinduism, which doesn't believe in anything or actually believes in everything. What was it? Solomon uh, said they have like 33 million gods. Uh, what a crazy concept that is. But in Jesus' day, the Pharisees fasted twice a day. And so they had this regimented fasting. It was on Mondays and it was on Thursdays. And they would go around and, and you would know it was fasting day because the Pharisees just had no strength because they didn't eat. And they'd look gaunt. And, and they, they were fasting. But there was no spiritual benefit in that type of fasting. Jesus, by the way he describes this, by the very words he uses... He wants his followers to fast. But fasting is not merely going without food. What's the other element of fasting? Prayer and seeking the Lord. So you're setting aside your physical need for the greater spiritual need. That you're going to really focus that time you would have spent chewing, you're now going to spend talking to the Lord. That time you would have spent sitting in the restaurant figuring out what you were going to order, you're now going to spend reading the Word of God and focusing on the Lord. So that it's not physical, it's spiritual. So a genuine fast is physically doing without, and spiritually pursuing the Lord. Spiritual development is more important than when and what you eat. Fasting reminds us how truly important spiritual things are. And when you draw attention to yourself fasting, I, I've shared this before, um, there was a, I was at a conference, actually the conference where I surrendered to preach a um, long time ago. And while I was at that conference, the guy who got up, he was coordinating the conference, and he got up and he said, I have fasted 
for three weeks for this conference. And when the, the other people working with me saw how weak I was, they, they begged me to eat. And I said, no, no, I am fasting for this conference. Hey, in spite of his self-centeredness and in spite of his lack of spiritual focus, God used that conference to speak into my life. Can God use people that have misplaced priorities? Yes. But what the Lord wants is he wants you and I to get serious about spiritual things. So serious that we will set aside for a time some of our physical needs. He doesn't say, I want you to fast for six months. Uh, there are groups that have like the 40-day of fast and they like enforce it on you. And Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus himself did fast for 40 days. But if somebody's pressuring you to fast, it's not spiritual. If somebody is scheduling your fast, it's not spiritual. And by the way, parents, you should know that, that kids shouldn't be fasting while their body's growing. They can do a different kind of fast. If, if you have diabetes, going without food is really not recommended uh, because it really messes up your blood sugar. So if you have medical issues or you're a kid, your fasting could be maybe having a few almonds or a few peanuts. I know some of you are already nutty enough, but you know, uh, something that would give you the protein and, but uh, so have a few almonds and a piece of fruit instead of going out for lunch. That could be fasting if you have a dietary restriction like that. But here's the real point is eat less, pray more. When you're fasting, eat less, pray more. Really focus on God. Uh, seek him out. And Jesus didn't say, hey, if you think you might want to fast, he said, you, when you fast, anoint your heads, wash your face. He said, when you're doing your fasting, do it the right way. Don't draw the attention of people. Focus on God. Maybe you need to fast from TV or romance novels. Sorry, Tim, you got to set those romance novels aside for a bit. Uh, maybe you need to focus your mind, your heart, your soul, your body on the Lord. Because um, some people try spiritually to split us up. So you got your spirit side and your physical side. God puts us all together. We're body, soul, and spirit, and he wants all of it, not part of it. He wants your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. So one of the three essentials for a thriving spiritual life is sacrificing your physical needs for greater spiritual needs. No. Don't answer this. These are rhetorical questions. I want you to think about it. When was the last time you fasted? Why were you fasting? When are you going to do it next? Jesus said, when you fast. We can get too casual about spiritual things. 
And when you're hungry, God wants you to be hungry for him more than for food. When you fast, sacrifice physical needs for greater spiritual needs. The second one is sacrificing physical wants for greater spiritual desires. Sacrificing physical wants for greater spiritual desires. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. What does that mean? Does that mean don't have any money in the bank? Does that mean don't save for retirement? How many of you are retired? Raise your hands. How many of you saved for that retirement? You sinners. Jesus said not to do that. Is that what he said? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, you got to take this whole passage in. Do not lay up for yourselves, here's the key word, treasures on earth. Now let's read a little bit more. Where moth and rust doth destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor, moth nor rust doth corrupt. I'm sorry. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye, but if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness! You, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, God and money. So the second is to sacrifice physical wants for greater spiritual desires. Now, I don't collect things. I have a few old Bibles that were given to me, but I'm not a collector of old Bibles. I don't go online and look for old Bibles. I don't set aside a certain amount of money to go buy old Bibles. You know, Kathy and I decided early on in our marriage we didn't want to be collecting things because we'd been in people's homes and everything's full. My, my grandmother had owls that literally you could have covered the entire floor of this whole building and some of the other one with the owls that she had saved up over the years. And it was kind of weird in her house because they had extra shelves up by the ceiling just filled with owls and she loved all the owls. We decided not to collect things because things are just things. And we wanted to focus on things that weren't things. We wanted to focus on people. We wanted to focus on heart. We wanted to focus on experiences. We've tried to save up some memories, but sometimes we slip up in that regard. and The memory's not as good as it used to be. But what God wants you to do is invest in your permanent retirement when you leave planet earth to cherish the heart of God, to have your finances reveal your treasure in the work of God. 
so that you're giving generously to the local church. You're giving generously to the work of the Lord. You're giving generously to accomplish great things for God through the church, through missions today. Because listen, when you get to heaven, you might have the best collection of uh, pre-World War II whatever. But when you get to heaven, that's all worthless. Even if you have the biggest collection of gold, your personal wealth more than Fort Knox. In heaven, the streets are paved with gold. It's, it's of no value for you to take there. So the Lord's saying, listen, people work and work to set up treasures here. You know, they buy a nicer house. And then they, they want a nicer house, and then a nicer house, and, and then a nicer car, and a nicer car, and a nicer car. It's not evil to get a new car. It's not evil to get a new house. But don't let the house hold you. Don't let your vehicle hold your heart. I always said, you know, I drive a minivan. You can't love a minivan. So, so, you know, I have no attraction to that. But for a while, when I had a Harley, I did. I really loved that bike. And when it got totaled, it was really sad. But it was good for me, too, because my attraction wasn't there. I bought a Yamaha. And you can't love a Yamaha, I'm just saying. You know? But, but treasures in heaven outweigh treasures on earth. So how do you build treasures in heaven? Well, you minister to people. You're, you impact people for Christ. If you lead someone to Christ, then you have an eternal reward because there's the soul winner's crown or the crown of rejoicing, but also that person's going to be there with you. Out of the blue one day, when Kathy was our church secretary in California, out of the blue one day, a lady called the church and asked her, can you come to my house and lead me to Christ? Kathy said, oh, I don't know. I got a pretty busy schedule today. She went, and she led that lady to Christ. We have not seen that lady in a long, long time. But we'll see her in heaven. See, the, the people you minister to on earth They'll be with you in heaven. The money that you give toward, toward genuine missions. There are some missions out there that try and take your money and then they build huge offices and elaborate things. But, but the ones that really have a heart for God, you can give generously to that. You know that's going to be used to influence people for Christ. And, and you can give to the church. Nobody gets rich when you're giving to the church, but everybody gets blessed. And, and that's fruit, that's labor, you're, you're establishing reward in heaven. And you know, Jesus would a lot rather see you give extra money to his work on planet earth through the church, through missions, than he would to see you give extra money to buy that little piece that you're missing in your collector set of whatever it is. So 
Don't focus on earthly treasures. The goal is not, hey, let's give all of our money to the church. In fact, I was in a church once where the pastor announced it was all tithe Sunday. I said, what in the world is that? We were just visiting. We didn't attend there, and there's lots of reasons why. So I asked the pastor, what in the world is all tithe Sunday? He said, we ask everybody in the church to tithe their whole paycheck. I said, the whole thing? He said, yeah. I said, well, what if they didn't get paid this week? We'll never ask that. We ask you to give generously. We want you to lay up treasures for the Lord, not for the church, not for people, not for you. But listen, where's your heart? Do you enjoy giving to the church? Do you enjoy giving to the work of the Lord? Is your treasure on spiritual things? Treasures in heaven include the people that you've influenced for Christ, the people you've led to the Lord, the soul winner's crown, the rewards for faithful service. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart has a built-in treasure seeker. But guess what? You can control it. You can adjust it. You can tweak it. You can change it. There are things that used to be very important to me that aren't anymore. Because I decided to pursue other things. And, and you can change. We've seen politicians change from a Republican becoming a Democrat, a Democrat becoming a Republican, people becoming independents, people changing their political affections. Why? Well, sometimes they do it because it's politically advantageous. I can't win this Republican primary, but if I switch to Democrat, I could maybe win. But sometimes they do it because they've had a change of heart. And you can have a change of heart. You can direct your heart to change. You can choose your treasure. You could go down, let's just say you've never given to the church. Hopefully that's not true. Let's just say that you never have. And so you could go home today and you could say, you know, I'm going to choose to treasure spiritual things and lay up treasure in heaven. So I'm going to start giving to the church. And I know, you know, the, the Lord says that you start with the tithe and your offerings go up from there. But you say, I can't really afford to start at 10%. So I'm going to start at 2%. And then... A month later, I'm going to try and make it 3%. And then every month or two, I'll try and raise it a percent until I'm given at least 10%. And, and you just make that commitment. And you know what? Within a few months, you can be excited about that. Um, when I, I used to, when we made vacations, I, I always liked to go out to eat. I I don't enjoy eating out as much as I used to, but I made a decision years ago that I would pack my lunch as often as I could to save money. And then we would give that extra money to the work of the Lord. It's, it's been a good decision. So you are in control of your physical wants. 
doesn't feel like it sometimes. If you've ever had an addiction, it doesn't feel like you're in control, but you are because you can redirect your heart. You can focus on spiritual things. And so the Lord said, don't treasure the things on earth. Treasure the things in heaven, and and I'm going to add to that, or the things that will be in heaven. So you can treasure people because they're going to be in heaven with you someday, but you can't treasure things. It was funny when uh, I went to Mexico and Cuba and, and you see people doing without. And I, I don't remember who we were talking with recently. The Christians there were the most joyful people Kathy and I have ever seen. And they have very little. They couldn't even understand the concept of a recliner chair. Just not heard of in their culture. In fact, a guy there who had his master's degree, he never heard of carpet. And he asked Kathy, we had carpet on the floor. He said, doesn't that take a lot of water to clean it? He'd never heard of a vacuum cleaner. And in America, we can become attached to things. So let me give you a little hint. If your car dies or you're out driving and your car gets totaled, and you're fine, hopefully, then just say, God let that happen to his car. Don't fret and moan the loss of your car. If somebody steals something of yours, say, well, it really belonged to the Lord anyway. And and don't hold on to things. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure the things of God. Build up treasure in heaven, not on earth. So, how are you doing with that? What's your treasure? If somebody asks you, What are the two most important parts of your week? Would your devotion time with the Lord be in the top two? Because Jesus said it should be number one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First, set your affection on things above. Third thing. The first one was that you need to sacrifice physical needs for greater... uh, Spiritual needs, you need, secondly, you need to sacrifice spiritual wants for greater spiritual desires. And thirdly, sacrificing physical comforts for greater spiritual connection. Now, he's going to talk about worry. Here's a phrase I want you to write down. I want you to remember this. Be a warrior, not a worrier. Be a warrior, not a worrier. Let's look at the word. Verse number 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now I am, I've had diabetes for a long time, and my wife used to tell me that I was too obsessed with food. Like I would want to know, 
when we're finishing one meal, I'd want to know when the next one's going to be and what's it going to be so I know what to eat between meals. And, you know, I, and, and I, 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 one day I, was, I mentioned to Evelyn Friend that Kathy said I was too focused on money, and Evelyn, like, shook her head, like, yeah, we've been praying for you. <laughs> Don't worry about your food. You can get enough to get by. That's enough. And then he says, it, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I, I know people who are really super fashion conscious. I don't understand that, at least not for Christians. It's not that you want to look dowdy, but that's not a priority. It's not worth paying extra for something that's going to go to out of style by the time you wear it home. So don't, the body is more than that. Life is more than food and clothing. I, I think I shared with you guys that um, Woods, uh, Snoopy was sitting on the doghouse with Woodstock and he was reading this passage of scripture and Woodstock got all upset. Woodstock's the little bird. Here's why. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Apparently that stressed the little bird out. Verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You cannot add height. You cannot add time to your years. You are who you are. You are the way God made you. He designed you that way. Now, some of you remember Ed Reeves, Jim's brother. He had artificial limbs. And when Ed got new legs, he had lost the bottom part of his legs. And when he got new ones, he had the doctor make him this much longer. So he was the tallest guy in the family. <laughs> but you can't naturally add that. You can't naturally change your hair color or your eye color. Uh, you can artificially do that. But God said, you worry about things, but you can't change it. The Jews hated the Roman soldiers because the Romans were taller and the Jews were shorter. And the average Roman soldier was close to six foot or right out six foot. And the average Jewish man was between five, four and five, six. And it bugged them to have these Romans in their country. And they, they were shorter and they wanted to be taller than the Romans so they could add a cubit to their height. But God said, you can't do that. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry. He doesn't say, don't worry as much. He doesn't say, don't talk about your worrying. He says, don't do it. Don't worry. 
saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Focus on God and not on the things of this world and, and not on the things that are your temporary. And don't focus on being comfortable. In fact, we live in a country that worships at the cult of comfort. We want our air conditioning to be just right. This time of year, when folks go outside, what do they do in Arizona? <laughs> yeah. They, they complain about the heat, or they go back inside, right? Oh, man, it's so hot. Who's in charge of the outside thermostat? God. So what are you telling God? God, you have me in the wrong place, or you have me at the wrong time of year. God, you're messing up. You know, we're not supposed to complain. I don't know if you got my one call. We're not supposed to complain about anything. Do everything without complaining. And, and that includes dealing with the weather. So what I do, if somebody complains about the weather, I just pray they get bad arthritis, and then the heat makes their bones feel better. Isn't that a good idea? Okay, I don't really do that because some of you have prayed for the weather. I don't, I, I mean, I don't really do that. But it does make my bones feel good. But as believers, we can get swallowed up in the busyness of life and the comfort of life. And it's not wrong to be comfortable. We have the most comfortable vehicle we've ever owned. It's great. It's so much more comfortable than some of the ones we've owned over the years. But in, we need to live for God's pleasure, and we need to live for eternal success and not comfort on planet Earth. You can get so focused on life on Earth, you drift away from God. And I can give you one word proof of that, Demas. He got so focused, he loved the things of this world. His treasure became planet Earth, and he walked away from God. He who had been faithful, serving with Paul and serving with Luke, and he walked away. Years ago, I treasured physical fitness more than with the Lord. And I think my senior year, I ran 4,000 miles and rode my bike another 4,000 miles, and I was in great shape. But Paul told the Colossians that earning a prize in sports is not very important. But disciplining yourself to pursue God is vital. He told Timothy that physical exercise has limited value, but godliness is profitable in all things, pursuing the Lord. Matthew 6, 33, we read just a minute ago. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek that first. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind or set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Focus on the Lord. Begin your day talking to God. In the middle of the day, be talking to God. At the end of the day, be talking to God, focusing on it, longing for that glorious day when the Lord calls us home. And if you get a terminal report from your doctor and he says you're not going to make it, 
You should say, praise the Lord, I'll see Him soon. And not be focused on the things of this earth. Nothing, not one thing on earth is as important as your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not your job, not your school, not your friends, not even your family is as important as your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not your health, not your fitness. Christ should be first. And if Christ is first, then the church will be vital because the church is the fullness of Christ. It's the body of Christ. And, and it will be vital to our spiritual growth and health. So Paul said he pressed toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm pressing toward that goal. So what goal are you pressing toward? What captures your attention? What are you seeking? See, I want you to see this cute picture. Life is a learned skill. I love that boy. He looks so happy. Life is a learned skill. Did you know that if you're grumpy and irritable, you can learn not to be? You can learn to be grateful and cheerful. You, you can learn to do all kinds of things a little bit at a time, learning and growing. And every character change that you might like to see in your life, you have the capacity to do. You might not become a great musician. You might not become rich and famous, but you can make changes that move your heart closer to the Lord. Everything God wants to see in your life, you have the capacity to do. So you can seek first that your highest priority is His kingdom and His work down here on planet Earth. You can choose to trust God completely, even in very difficult times, knowing this, that your darkest hour might be heaven's finest hour. Because God works just fine in the dark. You need to remember that your spiritual life will be thriving long after your life on earth is over. So live for that. Life is a learned skill. You can change. You're not stuck. God can do great things in you. Because he is working on you, in you, through you, and for you. And God can do great things. So the essentials for a thriving spiritual life, what are they? What's number one? Sacrificing physical needs for greater spiritual needs. Say it with me, ready? Sacrificing physical needs for greater spiritual needs. Number two, let's read it together. Sacrificing physical wants for greater spiritual desires. And number three, 
sacrificing physical comfort for greater spiritual connection to really focus on God and draw your heart closer to Him. The Lord loves you. He cares about you. Even if you're here and you've rebelled against God and you're angry with God, He still loves you. Even when you fail Him, He still loves you and He's still faithful. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you need to do that. And if you have trusted Christ as Savior, then you need to give up your life to Him. You need to say, Lord, I not only trust you to take care of my soul to get me to heaven, I trust you to take care of my body right here on planet Earth and put him first. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we truly would put you first, that we would be changed, that we would be drawn closer to you, that that we wouldn't just walk out of here and say, oh, there were a couple of funny stories he said, or, oh, yeah, I like that point. But then we would walk out of here and say, Lord, what do I need to do to keep you first? What do I need to build into my life to treasure what you treasure, what will last for all eternity? Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.